0: Hi, this is Andrea Borcha,
1: And I'm Charles Wilchin.
0: This is Far Stuff.
1: The Internet of Things podcast.
0: This week on Far Stuff, an infamous kerfuffle. Quote, on May 15th, my house will stop working. My landscape lighting will stop turning on and off. My security lights will stop reacting to motion and my homemade vacation burglar deterrent will stop working. This is a conscious, intentional decision by Google Nest, end quote.
1: This is from a story about a gentleman who bought a Revolve, which was acquired by Nest. And he continues, quote, To be clear, they are not simply ceasing to support the product. Rather, they are advising customers that on May 15th, a container of hummus will actually be infinitely more useful than a Revolve hub. Google is intentionally bricking hardware that I own. He continues, this should be absolutely illegal. I am pretty sure that Google has some EULA bullshit that allows them to do it. But EULAs are legal wet sand, and honestly, I just don't care. The fact that Google can get away with this shows you just how utterly warped and inherently, I'm using that word again, it's been a while, evil they really are. These companies literally do not care about you? The sooner you accept that, the less attached to and blinded by these companies you'll be. Unquote. I don't know about you, but he sounds a little upset.
0: A little bit. Yeah. I think this has actually started an entire rant across the internet, basically getting us to the question of, do these companies have a right to shut down things that people have bought now that you have? So when you buy a toaster from Walmart, it's yours and you can own it for 15 years until it eventually maybe breaks down. But if you treat it right, it might last forever. So it's you yours. exchange money yes,
1: and you get like a collection of atoms yes. in the shape of a toaster.
0: Yes. And it, it performs a function that Literally I... Literally
1: until it breaks.
0: Yes. Until... That's and,
1: weird. What what world was that I when that happened? I don't
0: know. But now with the internet of things... Yeah. Poor, um,
1: poor Arlo Gilbert. He's yes. the gentleman who wrote about his experience with Nest. Well, with Re-
0: Re- Revolve. So Arlo, like many others, bought a Revolve... Hub. Hub, which basically allowed them to have a smart home. And then unfortunately, or fortunately, Revolve was bought by Nest and Nest was bought by Google Alphabet and Revolve was just not considered important. And so he basically considers this thing that he bought that he was expecting to be able to use until he was no longer finding use to it. Another company is now dictating that you no longer... Have the right to use this product. That's what happens when the Internet of Things needs to connect to the cloud or to a server somewhere. Is they can just shut down your server, and now you literally have a brick.
1: And yeah, or or in his case, a container of hummus, which he, <laughs> he calls it that because it looks like an upside down container of hummus, it does. like you might buy from a store.
0: <laughs> and it wasn't a cheap product. He spent no. three hundred dollars on it. It wasn't like uh, yes. Like a whim purchase, I would say. I mean, for, for most people, $300 is still something you would probably consider. Before- it's a
1: lot. And the thing is, the central nervous system of his home. Yeah. It's not a toaster. Yeah. It's controlling the toaster. It's controlling
0: the lights. And Well, it's in controlling his security system. I mean, it's not even... Like, yeah, I could go without toast for a week. It's uh, If somebody breaks into my house, who's liable? Because I set up this whole security system based on my assumption that you will continue to behave a certain way.
1: It's really, really awful. Yeah. And this really exposes a dark side to the Internet of Things. That dark side being that you still have a dependency on the company you bought the product from even after you buy it.
0: Right. And, you know, if, if we take a step back from some of the more, like, interesting up-and-coming IoT devices, like if you find on Kickstarter or Indiegogo, you kind of have an expectation that, yeah, that might not last. But when you bought into Revolve and then they got bought out by Nest, I'm sure everyone that had a Revolve cheered. It was like, we invested in the right product that's right. going to go somewhere. We won. We, we made won. the right bet
1: on our personal home infrastructure.
0: Yeah. We are expecting, and then Google buys out Nest and is like, even better. So now we are that little Revolve company that you trusted, that you bought a hub from, is now supported by one of the largest companies in the world. But that means you no longer could have your Revolve.
1: The Revolve fumble may just be a canary in a coal mine for Nest, which appears to be in chaos.
0: Nest and... Google are now both parts of Alphabet. And so they're kind of like siblings in that company. And it sounds like they're not getting along well and mostly because of Nest.
1: I, I think you're right that there's some growing pains because I imagine while Nest was part of Google, they were kind of coddled. They probably weren't expected to bring in revenue or or at least they probably had a longer runway for doing so.
0: I think that might be true, my impression of the acquisition, it was more of like an aqua hire And I think because Nest was really the first IoT company that made IoT more mainstream. I mean, they really accomplished that thing where people are starting to get more comfortable with IoT and understanding it and understanding how it could affect their lives. So Nest was really meant to be the poster child for IoT, for mainstream America. But since Nest has been acquired, it, it seems like they're just not living up to expectations when it comes to innovation. I think that's where Google was getting frustrated. Yeah, they
1: haven't shipped a single new product. So they acquired Dropcam and Nest CEO Tony Fidel said something really awful.
0: I'm shocked to hear that. Apparently he has a winning personality. <laughs> We've not heard that. <laughs> that was that was sarcasm.
1: That was we were being opposite. Yes, we, be funny.
0: We, we've heard that Tony Fidel has a very harsh management style.
1: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. There was a paywalled article in something called The Information. They had a long and very good nest expose. And Tony <laughs> admitted that about half of Dropcam's 100 employees had left. And he said, and this is a quote, a lot of the people were not as good as we had hoped. Unfortunately, it wasn't a very experienced team.
0: To which Dropcam responded, Nest should be grateful to have them because without the Dropcam sales, Nest wouldn't have anything.
1: It's unprecedented that a CEO would would talk about friends of, of a good chunk of their employees at this way. Presumably people who had left because they had issues working at, at Nest and blame it on them, number one. Right. And then the other unprecedented bit is that Greg Duffy, the Founder and CEO of Dropcam uh, at one point responded on medium and said I would almost find such blatant scapegoating amusing if it weren't so insulting to the team given that I feel compelled to set the record straight and he goes on to note that Dropcam was in the middle of record sales they had a uh, you know 4.5 star best selling camera on Amazon they were getting into brick and mortar stores they had new products that were uh, Going to launch imminently. Still had most of their financing on and on and on about how great of shape Dropcam was in before Nest bought them for, let me remind you, over half a billion dollars. Right. Um, so this is this is a gentleman who is soaking in wealth. Yes. From from his acquisition, calling it now a mistake.
0: Yes. It was his mistake. he he ends the quote with, "It was my mistake to sell, but that's a story for another day. So clearly there there is quite a bit of turmoil in in the nest.
1: maybe a little bit of bad blood there.
0: a little bit with other companies that are focused on innovation and uh, being kind of spearheading the next evolution of things. you you do see this type of frustration come out when people aren't meeting expectations. But it is hard to come up with the next most amazing thing and the next great thing, I would say.
1: Of course. Yeah, no, it's terrible. But you don't fight in front of the children. <laughs> you have it out in private. Yeah. But you don't look like idiots Well, in I, public. And and they really, everything seems very petty. But I think there's a huge amount of pent-up frustration with Tony Fidel's...
0: Management style. Yes. Yeah to put it nicely. The splitting up of Google and creating Alphabet and creating all these different factions meant that there's a lot more people in charge of different areas and finding how to make these things work and work together. I mean, there's still an incredible amount of infighting between Google and Nest. So Nest is supposed to lead the IoT sphere of Alphabet. That's really their purpose. And Google is meant to focus on what Google is, a search engine with, you know, pay-per-click and all that. That being said, Google is now trying to build an Echo competitor. So we we spoke about the Amazon Echo before. That is an IoT device.
1: Hugely successful.
0: In theory, if you were Alphabet, Nest would be building the IoT device. You'd
1: think, because the Echo is designed to be the hub of the home.
0: Which means that Nest logically would be the right choice. The fact that Google is building it and not Nest, and that Google is pretty blatantly pointing the finger at Nest's inability to accomplish anything since they got purchased, it creates just further infighting and turmoil. Google, it's a bad sign. Yeah, yeah. Google doesn't it's, even want to talk to Nest from what we're reading.
1: It's There's no faith there. <laughs> there's no, no love lost between Google and Nest, clearly. No. So Amazon is a is a threat. Nest has not shown an ability to respond to that threat. Google has decided to take control of their own destiny and bring, effectively, Google now into the home.
0: Yeah. And which they have to do. They I mean, the market it. is moving fast and you can't stop innovation because of infighting.
1: That's right. Nest doesn't have time to screw around. Google has to do something. And that's fine. That's fair. But if you combine that with the pressure that Nest, I'm sure, is feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Being a child company of, of Alphabet and having to show results, it can't be fun there right now.
0: No. And it seems that Nest really is trying to ignore some of the, the animosity about Revolve. I mean, basically, with all this craziness happening with Revolve, Nest's only statement is that they will work with people on an individual basis to compensate them in some way. Possibly. Right. Which basically sounds that if you have a revolve, you should call and complain because otherwise they won't be reaching out to you.
1: Right. They're gonna pay off the squeaky wheels, which is fine. They're they're doing something. But the bigger issue that this that this brings up that we really wanted to talk about today is what happens when you buy a a product and it's not just a, a throwaway product. It's it's a 10 year product or a 15 year product, and you have to depend on these companies that are making these devices.
0: Well, and their infrastructure. And what is the best way to build these products so that they can survive long-term? You know, IoT and a lot of new innovation always starts with, you know, fast, just get something out there. Let's start seeing how customers use it. Let's start learning from that, which is fine, which is great when you're first starting out. But if IoT is moving into a mainstream location, then these questions really need to be asked. If you create something can it ever live on its own completely? Can it live only if it's connected to the cloud? And then what happens if you shut down that connection to the cloud? And how, what percentage of its brain computing capabilities need to live on the device itself to make it sustainable long-term?
1: Yeah, there's a couple different aspects. Like you noted, there's the company. Will the company even be around? Yeah. The second one is, if it's around, will the product actually be alive? As we've seen with Nest, they can just arbitrarily choose to kill it. It's not just that the <laughs> that the product uh, has to live because the Revolve units are clearly in perfect fine shape. Yeah. They could easily be around 20 years from now and still do their job as intended.
0: And there are some companies that have thought about this, like from the Kickstarter point of view, you know, where they built their IoT devices such that, to keep a server up somewhere is just such a cheap thing that th- it's not a big deal. It can, so the, it
1: can be if the person thought about
0: yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And if so it
1: gets out of control yeah. and they're surprised by it.
0: And neither. revolve, I'm sure thought that they would be around to support their products forever and didn't consider that. Oh, I'm
1: sure the, I'm sure the guys that created the revolver are just heartbroken.
0: Yeah. John Kessner, the inventor of twine uh, was an, a do anything environmental sensor Since his Kickstarter campaign ended five years ago, Twine kind of died, but there's still plenty of people that own it. And so even though the company itself is gone, and even though he's no longer making new Twine products, he's still paying out server fees that equate to nothing more than lost profits. But at the same time, he feels like it was his commitment that if you bought this product, he will give you his lifetime warranty. And that means the lifetime of the product, regardless if you have a company to support it anymore.
1: Yeah, still that means he's not going to be able to support it forever. Great that he feels that sense of responsibility, yeah. but it almost feels like, well, if we if we go back a couple steps, the process of killing your product uh, is euphemistically called end of lifeing the product. Yes. And in the olden days, it was pretty simple. You'd have a company build a wireless router and you'd, you know, you'd design it for, uh, a few months you'd produce it. you'd support it with firmware updates for a year and a half, maybe, and then you'd just you know
0: done. all done, yep,
1: buy another router. yep. Thank you very much for playing,
0: especially in the router field and in in all the fields where end of life is pretty typical. Most people weren't expecting you to have anything for more than a year or two or three. That's right. It's I a
1: 2-year plan no matter what it was.
0: Cell phones,
1: toasters,
0: any well. Yeah. But
1: most it, Windows laptops. Yes.
0: Pretty much anything you bought that had yeah. to deal with at end of electronics, life electronics, yes. Yeah. was two, not expected two years, but yeah. now we're installing stuff into our homes. Well, a home hub, a, th- a thermostat, is, is usually a 15-year commitment. You don't change out your doorbell every two years. Yeah, there are people with
1: thermostats that were literally installed in, you know, the 1960s. Yes,
0: and it would still come across and do what it needs to do. Now, you've just spent $300 on this thermostat six months ago, and they're telling you in May, everything's going to die. Like, yeah. what, who... I mean, it's
1: bad enough that there's version two, three, four, five, right. and that happens once a year. yeah. But to tell that same person, oh, by the way, it's just not going to work. Yeah. You know, how long are the original Nest thermostats going to work?
0: Well, and then you get into the more expensive purchases like a a washing machine. I mean, some people will keep a washing machine for 10 years. But if you're telling me every year there's a firmware update, a software update, or by the way, we've just disconnected it. So it's not going to work at all. I'd be pretty pissed off about spending a thousand dollars a year on a washing machine. Maybe, it, maybe we need to get more into a, a different type of economy where software as a service came out basically kind of from the same concept is you built all this software and it, if you wanted the continuous support and you wanted to continually make money from it, you don't buy the product anymore. So like Adobe, for example, you don't spend the $500 on Adobe Creative Suite. You spend $10 or $20 or $40 a month for the life of the product and you get instant updates so is that where we're headed with hardware in the home? Oh,
1: I hope not. Do I literally have to rent my thermostat?
0: Yep. You're going to rent your thermostat. You'll rent your washing machine. You'll rent your fridge. We won't own anything oh, anymore.
1: That's the worst. That's the most horrible thing I've ever heard.
0: And then you, they'll give you a call one day and say, oh, I'm sorry. We need to upgrade your thermostat. We're going to be at your house between eight and five on Thursday. You better be home because we need to reinstall your entire security system and home hub.
1: That's the absolute worst. It's so strange and it's especially compelling because if you look at the Google graveyard of products they've killed.
0: Ooh, that sounds fun.
1: <laughs> well, it sounds scary.
0: Not fun. I'm sorry.
1: Scary sounds graveyard. Sounds scary. Well, Spooky. unless it's unless it's like an amusement park graveyard. But no, this That's is a real graveyard going. with dead software, dead products.
0: Like the urchin, the aardvark. Google based on buzz. Are you reading from Google Graveyard? Yes, yes, I am. Uh, Google Side Wiki, Google Search Wiki, Google Offers. I remember some of these. So they're
1: going to kill the IoT just like they've sort of killed web advertising. In other words, if these creators of products decide to treat these quote unquote 10 year products like two year two products, year products mm. no one's going to buy stuff.
0: And have they. In essence. And they shouldn't. Well, in essence, have they stalled the IoT progress we've been making? That's kind of the bigger question here is, is we were all buying into this exciting new technology, especially people that are mainstream and less early adopters. We trusted these Nest? companies. Absolutely. absolutely. Did people trust Nest to be their partner they in did. this Past IoT tense. journey? Yeah. And not anymore.
1: Clearly, so, we yeah. can't trust Nest.
0: Will these actions stall our adoption of IoT in the home? Yes, because we don't trust anybody anymore.
1: Yeah, and I don't think I don't think we. Um,
0: there was the coolness factor, but it's not enough to get us over mistrust.
1: You know, I think I think what this means is that products IoT products are going to have to become a little bit less disconnected. So they need to be autonomous to some degree. Yes. In cases where they depend on a service, I think that people who create these products are going to have to have some sort of end of life plan that they can share with people. For example, when Facebook ended Parse, it was very traumatic for the developers that depended on Parse, uh, this backend product designed to make it very easy to run apps against and provide app services. Facebook open sourced the Parse server and it's actually being actively worked on and improved by other people.
0: So really they just kind of put it out into the universe and let the universe manage it.
1: They did. And it, and it works because it's a good service that just didn't fit within Facebook's portfolio of products.
0: So, and, But that's a different scenario in the sense that Facebook realized we have something of value. We're going to give it back to the people who value it because we don't value it anymore.
1: But that can work in this case, too. For example, mm-hmm. what if Nest had decided to open source the Revolve service and other people could actually run it and possibly even charge people a small subscription fee for running that service for them? Or if they were technically astute, they could run that service themselves.
0: Or give people an option. I mean, that's that. I think that's the biggest slap in the face to most people is there was no communication about, hey, what if we just charge you guys 99 cents a month for the... For maybe people would still keep it.
1: Well, that's the problem with Google. That literally does not move the needle.
0: Yeah. Well, it's not meant to... It was meant more to not piss off so many people, but it's it's... The response we got from Nest specifically with this is that you need to stop using Revolve because it's all going to be about the Nest system. Works with Nest is what they call it, which I personally just think is a terrible name because it doesn't roll off the tongue. I get that you want to say everything works with Nest, but when you're calling your program works with Nest, it doesn't. Anyway, Um, (laughs) (laughs) the whole point with Nest is that they... Tony totally Fidel wants to force you away from every other home hub device to force you onto works with Nest. But they're not even offering Nest as a substitute to Revolve.
1: The, the Revolve makes a lot more sense as a hub than my thermostat, Yeah, quite honestly.
0: But that's not the long-term plan of Nest.
1: So the long-term plan is that my thermostat...
0: Is going to be the hub of your entire house, yeah.
1: And I can't even replace mine.
0: No. So <laughs>
1: I don't... And, and that doesn't work well for people that are renting... Yeah. It's a bad idea for so many reasons. I really have to question what their strategy is. I
0: think it's just world domination again.
1: Well, it's it's not working. They they really need to steer the ship before yeah. it crashes into the rocks.
0: I really like that idea, though, of as you're building something new that's in the IoT sphere, that you're considering the entire life cycle of the product, including end of life. Yes. Because it feels like we have been focused more on the innovation side of IoT And the excitement of it. And people just assume these things will be around forever, but they're dependent. So they can't be.
1: Preach it, sister.
0: (laughs) My uh, particular concern uh, comes with medical devices. As we're starting to get smarter and smarter devices that are implanted in your body, what happens if, you know, we've got Heart 3000, which is a IoT pacemaker and 5 years down the road we go bankrupt do we now have to force 100,000 people to go into pacemaker replacement surgery because we went out of business and we can't hold up a server anymore you know if
1: you're nest you just tell them on, that on the 15th of the month <laughs> after next you will die it's really simple i don't i don't understand the problem
0: no it's just uh, but but thanks for <clears throat> thanks for trusting us on our pacemaker yeah. to, to support you
1: it's it's a yes medical is a huge disaster waiting to happen
0: yeah when it comes to that uh, you're right
1: these companies i think we i think we've solved the problem <laughs> these companies need to have a comprehensive plan for how they will handle uh, end of life yeah. whether it's planned or unexpected
0: and what kind of support they will continue to offer
1: also i feel like we need some sort of standards for personal clouds where i can run the services if i need to yeah without necessarily having to be uh, an expert effectively we need an app store for services.
0: And a, a way to start empowering people and their things that they've bought to kind of start managing themselves instead of constantly being reliant on some third-party deity in some, some space somewhere. Because I, I feel like that's kind of where these tech companies are coming from, is they are the ultimate deity that dictates what your IoT device is and what will happen until they turn things over to open source which they've done pretty well with software but maybe now with with hardware and us you know it's my own personal ecosystem in my house and it could survive without you
1: okay so here's what we've here's what we've decided on behalf of the industry yes so if you're listening this is the plan <laughs> create a way for your services to live in the cloud as sort of prepackaged apps now it's fine for you to run those right now while you're still all around but If the product is end of life, uh, either either planned obsolescence, which you should disclose up front, or if it's unplanned, as if there's maybe there's an acquisition and uh, the product gets shut down by an uncaring CEO, that service can run packaged in some way in my own personal cloud. And of course, we as an industry will have to work on the standard for that. Sort of app store for cloud-based services.
0: And me as a consumer needs to make sure that when I pick up any IoT device that on the back there's a cute little label that tells me where I can find the end-of-life plan.
1: Absolutely. So I know
0: what I'm signing up for. Absolutely. That's the only way to get the trust back. It's Every
1: in- review of a product should take into account yeah. past performance. That's true. You know, and and it's fine. If you need to build up a reputation over 10 years, yeah. that's par for the course as far as I'm concerned. Because... If I'm buying a car and you want to put services on my car that the car depends on, right? that's a disaster. Same with the house. Yeah. You cannot be architecting 10-year products using two-year product habits.
0: So the car to me is particularly interesting because cars right now, as the technology increases, are becoming increasingly reliant on partnerships and helping each other out. Because you know, Ford will openly admit it only can do so much with software encoding and so they partner with Amazon or they partner with Google and everyone's partnering up together to start making cars smarter, which is great until you consider all you need is one of those partners to decide that they don't want to support the one brake pad code that they they threw into a Ford car and suddenly your brake pads stop working.
1: I have a good example for this. Okay. So uh, you remember the massive airbag recall? Yes. So uh, Takata, was the company that manufactured the airbags, many people depended on that supplier. And in this case, we're talking about a defective physical part. Right. But you're absolutely right. There's no reason why a supplier may not supply software that actually someday kills people in the case of uh, auto driving cars. Yeah. And how do we deal with that scenario and how do we deal with end of life issues around, around that?
0: Is it you've bought your car and it's a year and a half later and we've decided we're not supporting the software anymore. We've upgraded to 3.0. So hand in your car. That $30,000 purchase you just made a year and a half ago.
1: Absolutely, I can absolutely imagine that happening where people have to decide to either upgrade their car within a certain amount of time or it just won't work anymore.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. When you start getting into medical and you start getting into automotive, I know the government starts getting involved because it's about safety. Yeah, they should. So there's going to be a lot. I, I definitely see a lot more laws and regulations coming in now to start considering this. I mean, with Nest and Revolve, it is definitely an inconvenience and a minor threat. And in theory, no one should die from Revolve being bricked. But when you start getting into more and more things that are connected with software, it starts getting very, very tricky. There needs to be a lot more planning, which might actually slow innovation in the IoT sphere now that people need to consider how will this thing live on forever.
1: You're more familiar with with me about uh, the government's role in creating medical devices. mm -hmm. And from what I know, it's a slog.
0: It's uh, the government, the FDA kind of anything along those lines has always had the challenge of needing to get up to speed <laughs> with technology and get up to speed with what's going on and they're very slow to approve things more because they want to make sure that it, it's safe and it makes sense sure but they also are really appreciate starting to really appreciate the value of having smarter technology and better technology and things moving forward I mean we've got we've got robot, assisted surgery now. Watson has been putting out commercials like crazy, getting people more comfortable with the fact that it's a partner in your doctor's, in your hospital room, in your doctor's office. You know, So I, I definitely think we're getting there, but this uh, end of life just needs to be a consideration.
1: The U.S. Department of Commerce is looking for help defining what their role should be for the Internet of Things. And I think it's good that they're talking about it I think it's smart that there's consumer protections because we have a case right now where it really is the wild west. It would be fine if the creators of the products were were responsible enough to offer enough security, enough safety. But, and I hate to say this because I'm, I, I wish it could be sort of unmanaged for a while longer, but we have uh, routers that make it uh, trivial to crack into a home's networking
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, system. We have laptops which are so insecure that they let people monitor you without even showing the little light that's that your cameras turned on we live in a world where the director of the FBI uh, has tape over his laptop camera
0: yeah it tells you how little we actually feel uh, comfortable <laughs> with the state of affairs oh, yeah.
1: and if you buy if if you know you buy a camera that's made by uh, a Chinese manufacturer and goes through who knows what channels to get to you from overseas or through a brick and mortar store you you really kind of are safest to assume that there is malware preloaded on those that's yes. that's letting someone connect into that
0: and there have been multiple articles about malware being found on chips coming from China or coming from nameless factories and and the process in it's um
1: it's the wild west
0: it is But I mean, I personally would love to see it more consumer driven where customers are starting to get educated enough to think and change the way they think. Where right now, if I buy something at Walmart or Target, I assume it's mine and it will work until I destroy it basically, or it's poor quality and I'll just throw it out and I'll get another one. But changing your mindset to know that this product you're buying is somehow reliant on the internet or a server or connection to a company and understanding what warranty that comes with what type of guarantee because i'm pretty sure even if a, a company you know started failing pretty bad like that previous example if you've guaranteed lifetime then i expect lifetime and i think i'd have legal recourse if you don't deliver it
1: i think the revolve was lifetime service but they meant the lifetime of the product
0: and that's where definitions get in i guess cuz i'm thinking the product itself is the brick and that <laughs> that right. act, that hub is still technically working. It's only not working because you've shut off its connection to the world right.
1: So lifetime is becomes meaningless. yeah, it's like unlimited. so really becomes, becomes a meaningless word.
0: They need to come up with a very concrete warranty that you're buying into and that's what you're paying for.
1: So labeling
0: yeah, labeling and, and getting to a clear understanding where customers understand this is important. We need to make sure we know how this works. We need to, I need to know what I'm buying into for a $300 home hub.
1: I think that's a good idea. And I think that if the industry doesn't do this, the well's going to go dry.
0: Absolutely. For
1: a long time.
0: And from the industry side, probably as we continue to build IoT devices, we have to consider how reliant we want them on the internet. Like the Amazon Echo without the internet is non-existent. I mean, it's basically. It doesn't work. It's nothing. Yeah, it's So, uh, you know, so may- a simple
1: label saying that this product is useless without the Internet.
0: I would think that would be the base level. What I'd prefer to see is that as they develop this out in generations, that the thing can function on its own for a day without Internet or it can answer basic, important questions.
1: Absolutely. It won't
0: tell you President Garfield's middle name on command, but yeah, it will tell care. you your schedule. It'll tell you basic recipes you always use It'll well and
1: be able to turn on your lights yes in the middle of the night if like you hear a noise
0: basic things like that
1: uh, I think you're right I th- I think that moving the intelligence closer to the edge and making sure that people understand that these devices will not work when disconnected I mean because internet goes out at our place you know it happens it happens
0: and we're not yeah. at a state of ubiquitous internet across the country and yet, so after it's, inst- it's reality
1: <laughs> after I installed the wink the uh the internet app ad- the internet went out and I tried to turn on my lights and I said, Oh, well this will work because the wink is local and the app that controls the wink is local and the switches that control the lights are local. And guess what? Nothing worked. Oh. And it infuriated me. I bet. It drove me bonkers. Yeah. And so, yeah, people are not going to take this and they're going to put a pause on anything that seems smart.
0: Yeah. If it takes, if it has to connect all the way to space and back, I think we, we might be asking too much of us just to be comfortable space. with that.
1: <laughs> the space and back. <laughs> so are you going to buy any more Nest products?
0: I don't know. I, I don't know if I can trust them.
1: That's just it. I'm not.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, they, they destroyed my trust. Yeah. They'll have to earn it back. It may take five years.
0: But by then there'll be so many other options. That's right.
1: I'll probably be HomeKit based. Yeah. Because as slow as Apple is moving...
0: They are double-checking everything. Yeah,
1: when they introduce stuff, they support it. Well, and- okay, I can find exceptions. But generally, <laughs> I know it's going to be there if they built up this home kit ecosystem. Yeah. I think Nest is really in trouble. Yeah. And Nest really screwed the pooch, I think.
0: Well, and it'd be great to kind of see less infighting at Alphabet for being the behemoth it is. We were expecting innovation, and they're going to have to start playing nice with each other to get there.
1: Yeah, Google and Nest really need to decide who is going to be the home hub.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if Google is planning an Amazon competitor to be the home hub through Google now, and Nest is also trying to do that through their thermostat, uh, uh, that's going to be a disaster.
0: Yeah. It's going to be a fun couple of years at Alphabet.
1: So they need to figure it out. And the industry needs to figure out how they're going to handle end of life consumer yeah. IoT products in the long term. Not just consumer IoT, as yeah. you noted,
0: medical, medical
1: automotive, oh, automotive, yes.
0: Industrial, I mean...
1: If the Industrial Internet of Things has its own... <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure that the Industrial Internet of Things is in much better shape.
0: In I believe this it. I think because so much money and so much risk is involved, industrial is... Probably mostly figured this out at this point. I think consumers are just May, kind of haphazard.
1: Yeah, the consumer thing is is Meh, the wild west. We don't matter in the industrial internet of things. They're providing services to cities. They're yes. under contract. Yeah, uh, it's it's. We should probably have another show on that. Yeah, but the consumer space is in disarray. Nest is not helping things, and uh, vendors need to get their stuff together and yeah. figure out labeling and figure out good end of life plans.
0: Yep because I'd really like to see this IoT thing take off.
1: Yeah, I, the IoT I think is a good thing. I think we should I think we should do a podcast about it.
0: Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Right. <laughs> Thank you for joining us.
1: You've been listening to Far Stuff, the Internet of Things podcast.
0: You can find us on the internet at farstuff.com and at farstuff on Twitter. Get in touch with us using the contact form on our site or email us at podcast at podcast@farstuff.com.
1: If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Because it just helps other people find us. To
0: get the best Internet of Things news every week, sign up for our email newsletter at barstuff.com.
1: And this brings us to the end of our phase. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks, everyone.